Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello and welcome to another big episode of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. As usual, I'm joined by the serial killer whisperer herself, Amanda Howard. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Robert. It's really odd doing this without seeing your smiling face on camera, but we'll try and do it this way. I know, I'm having a few technical issues in the McKnight Tonight studios today and I cannot get a camera up despite having multiple cameras and multiple feeds. I can't do it. So yes, today I can't get it up. (laughs) I knew you'd like that one. I think some of our Patreon friends who we talk to often will like that one too because it gets a little (laughs) naughty in those chats. Amanda, today we're doing part two of Israel Keys and this, there's an interesting turning point and it gets really interesting as we hear the police interviews continue and there's a lot of interview. Yes, there is. This is um, six hours of my life I'm never going to get back, plus all the rewinding and replaying to make sure that's what was said and that's what was done. So it's a lot of tape to go through and I do bypass some. I'm glad you didn't let me do the full six hours because I think we would have cause some fatal crashes of people falling asleep. So we've just got the good bits. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're all about. Well, Israel Keys is coming up in our psychological profile a little later, but first let's get to the news. And a woman has caused a major traffic disruption in California when she blocked the 55 freeway with her car. A painted sign on her car said she was the daughter of a serial killer known as the I-45 Texas killer. Despite having a flare gun, she eventually surrendered without incident. Amanda, a couple of questions. Who is the I-45 Texas killer and could this woman actually be his daughter? Well, the I-45 Texas killer or the Texas Killing Fields killer, it's um, it's a group of murders that have happened along the I-45. There's at least 30 deaths um, since the 1970s. And though there's been one guy that was charged with a couple of the killings, police actually believe that there's multiple serial killers working this one freeway. So it's really Ah. hard to determine that. But at the same time, um, because we sort of don't have her identity, we don't know who her father is, which legally that that they can't expose anyway. But it just does suggest that this woman is claiming that she is the daughter of a serial killer. And it's something that we've actually looked at a few times before. You know, we've spoken about Dennis Rader's daughter and um, the daughter of the, uh, the, smiley face killer 
and there's just sometimes there's these links that happen and sometimes it could be that someone does come forward like this and says hang on a sec what my father has done links to other cases that are, are out there and this is actually on the i-45 so it's interesting to see if this does develop in into a um a charge so we've never seen it happen this way and with these genealogy uh, dna testing that we've had happen before if someone has done some of that and this woman sort of comes forward early they may be able to make a match quicker but it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out it's, it's certainly a one of a kind it's interesting she didn't just go to the police or maybe she did and didn't get any action and this was a way of getting really noticed um it would be fascinating if her father actually was this killer Yes, I mean, there, there is um, a lot of talk about the families of killers and there is a, um, an author who's come forward and said that his father was the Zodiac killer and the Black Dahlia killer and stuff like that. So it is possible that that she might be the daughter. And so, I don't know, maybe she has gone to her police and had no action. Maybe they think she's crazy and doesn't need action. So I, it's something that I am watching and I've taken down some few, a few details on this case just to see where it does head. And we will keep you updated with that in future episodes of Monster Sue Murder. Now to a major story in the UK where legal arguments are taking place in the case of Ronan Hughes. It's alleged Hughes is the ringleader of a group who trafficked 39 migrants who were found dead in a van, or lorry as they're known in England. Hughes and his younger brother Christopher, 34, have been wanted in connection with the death since the beginning of the investigation. Current arguments centred on whether the deaths happened inside or outside the UK. A judgement will be handed down in the coming weeks. Amanda, tell me more about this case. Um, it's actually a case I'd, I'd forgotten about until just recently. I thought, oh, I'm just going to look this up and, and found that it's currently before the courts. So uh, Ronan Hughes, uh, he's actually in Northern Ireland, so uh, he isn't under any sort of order to appear in a London court. So that's what these, these hearings are about, to see if they can get in here. But there's interest because this case is actually um, across several countries. So there is talk that the uh, truck come through... Um, Belgium and some say through Spain and all these different stories but essentially there was a whole stack of of Asian families inside including children that were found dead now their cause of death has been um, both hypothermia and uh, asphyxiation so because they were in a freezer truck they are sealed tight Um, otherwise they would cost a fortune to run. So by being sealed tight and being freezing conditions, these people weren't going to make it. But they're trying to now work out where these people got into the truck. They don't believe it. They just got into the truck where it was found very, very quickly. But they don't know what step and where the imports have failed to actually find these people inside this truck. So there's a lot of detail going on in this case and uh, several of those involved, including the truck driver, have actually pleaded guilty to manslaughter and and they're going through through sentencing now. But this guy, Ronan Hughes, that they believe is the ringleader, um, is refusing to, to appear in English courts. So this could go on for many, many years, I think. So that was my question. Is it manslaughter? Is it murder? Is it a serial killing? Uh, I assume the deaths were unintentional. Well, yes and no, because there is a lot of uh, human trafficking that does end up with deaths, that these people take the cash and then rather than what... And rather than worrying about anything happening once they had these these people, they actually kill them. It does happen oh. a lot across many, many borders. So it does come down to 
where they were put in, how long they were there, because obviously a freezer truck, you're not going to live and people know that. And the human traffickers know that too. Otherwise they would put them in, you know, a a shipping container. So the fact that these were in in these trucks does suggest that there was some sort of heinous decisions made about if they were going to live or die. But they, there is so many open questions about this and they really have no idea across the globe where these people got into this truck. So, you know, this guy saying, prove that I was involved, seeing I'm in Northern Ireland and this was in England, and they don't sort of have the evidence yet to, to prove their case. So it's going to continue for a while. Very interesting, and that's another one we'll keep across on future episodes of Monsters Who Murder. In the meantime, we'll take a break and come back with our psychological profile on Israel Keys. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And Robin Robbo. Media executive Rob McKnight. Something brand new is coming to your social media feed. The Big Brother winner, Ben Norris. This is something bold and informative with a side of humour. And journalist David Robbo Robinson. It's truly going to be something different. Ben Robin Robbo Show starts April 20. Go to tvblackbox.com.au slash BRR for more information. It's the Ben Robin Robbo Show. This week we continue our psychological profile of Israel Keys. Keys is an American serial killer, rapist, arsonist, burglar, and bank robber. He was captured in 2012 over the murder of Samantha Koning. In part one, we listened as police investigators started their interrogation of Keyes over several days in what can only be described as a game of cat and mouse, as Keyes refused to make it an easy win for detectives. We now pick up on June 7, 2012, as Keyes is brought in for another interrogation. Again, they go through the same information and his Miranda rights. He has in front of him a cup of coffee and a brown paper bag containing some food. The officer then asks, is something frustrating, Keys? He's ready with his answer. It sounded like you're frustrated with things. I don't know if that's something you want to expand on at all. Uh, just things haven't been happening for the last week. Uh, there were some things that I asked for information on, as well as, well, basically that was the gist of it. And, uh, and haven't heard anything back, so we'll see. I don't know. Supposedly, within the next day or two, I'm supposed to get a more comprehensive visit or information or something, but so far it doesn't happen. So he says he doesn't have a lawyer and he's going through all these interviews. Surely he has a lawyer. Well, yeah, he does. He does have one appointed to him several times throughout all of this interrogation, but he also wanted to act as his own lawyer. So he had sort of sacked them a few times because he wanted to do it and 
to do this great big show. But what he didn't realise is that regardless of all of his research he had done because he wanted to become a great serial killer, he hadn't done any any investigations into the criminal justice system. Nothing goes fast in, in, in the criminal justice system. And so the fact that he wanted to act as his own lawyer just proves that he was pretty clueless. Um, but acting as his own lawyer, that's a bit like Bundy, really. Exactly. You know, and he was told to to, to get himself a lawyer. Um, and Bundy continued, and as we know, the judge actually fell over him and sort of said, oh, you know, it, it was great to have you at my courthouse. I wish it was on the other side of the table. Mm. You know, but but he's actually talking to lawyers throughout his, his case, and Keyes is really just frustrated that he expects them to jump and just be there for his own whim. In, in fact, in earlier interviews, the police said, yeah, they're not just waiting around for you. They have other cases. They're in court today. They can't be here constantly. So we either stop talking now and wait for your lawyer or we're continuing to talk. And that's why he wanted to be his own lawyer, to make things happen quicker. But it didn't. It just keep. It just kept going slow and slow and slow. And he became Well, he really believed he could get this done in a day or so, didn't he? Yeah, he thought he was going to go in, confess to these crimes. They all fall over him. He, he, he gets perped, walked, throw the press and that's it that's what he thought was going to happen but no like they aren't even at the point of charging him with any other crimes besides Samantha Koenig so it's just strange that he thinks it's going to start speeding up all all of a sudden I mean this has been a couple of weeks already well the interview then starts and again he's hesitant take a listen I am uh, obviously a little concerned about giving out a lot more information, especially over a too short a period of time until I find out where I stand on some other issues. So, um, it'd be nice if all these other issues would just uh, work themselves out and uh, resolve themselves the way I want them to without my coercion, but. Um, that's not going to happen, so i got to do what i got to do. He's really just mucking about, isn't he? He doesn't seem engaged at all. No, he's not, and it's just like the, the second interview. You know, he's really just biding his time. You know, he doesn't want to engage. He's he's playing with his coffee cup, which is what we heard at the end, and he's just staring at it and he's just playing with it. He has no engagement whatsoever with anyone that's in in the room he he doesn't care as i said he he wanted this to be quick and explosive but it's not happening like that and they haven't found any of the corpses that he has told them uh, are buried in certain locations so he doesn't want to play now he wanted them to, to find these bodies and come in you know slam the photos down on the table and go we've got your keys but it's, it's not what's going to happen. And they sit here and do this for hours and hours and hours. Like this is only six hours of, of tapes. There is plenty more that the FBI didn't release and there is no doubt that it is pretty much like this all the way through, but there's more information they don't want to share with the public. Mm, fair enough. He then smiles and starts chatting. It would be a lot simpler if I can, you know, would just take certain steps so that I could expound upon that a little bit more, but I'm um, not ready to do that yet, so if I have to, I will, but <laughs> it's, uh, um, but yeah, as far as the discussing things about uh, whether it's the Vermont case or, you know, things that happened prior to that, um, 
I think that, you know, it's probably still going to happen. It's just... Uh, I guess the reality sets in for me as to how, how much more time there is to pass before I may find out things I need to find out. <laughs> You know, I mentioned at the top that this was a game of cat and mouse. It really is just continuing. Yeah, absolutely. And he doesn't want to give anything unless they give something back. So there's that whole um, give and take, you know, the cat and the mouse, and they keep changing roles. You know, the officers and agents are actually stuck in a hard place because what he's really told them so far hasn't been proven by anything. They've gone through his house. They've taken photos of evidence to actually show him, which we will get into. But for now, he still holds all the cards because they have no proof of any of these victims. They know that the Vermont couple, they have disappeared. They know that someone has killed them. Uh, But they haven't found the bodies. And without finding them, Keyes is really just a suspect purely based on his own very vague details. So they are sort of saying to him, you know, what can we give you that's going to make you talk? Because so far nothing's working. You know, they've offered him lollies, they've offered him a cigar, they've offered him food and coffees and drinks and all this sort of stuff. It, things that they can give without getting in, into trouble through the through the um, prison system. You know, they've stroked his ego, they've called him buddy, they always refer to him by his first name, and they're trying to see, that the, they're just trying to work out what is the absolute thing they need to give to him to make him spill the beans. And they're just going around in circles and he is just playing the game. He wants it to go quickly, but at the same time, he's the one who's fart-assing around, basically. They are doing mm. as best they can. While they're doing these interviews, there's hundreds of police in 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 various states, including Vermont and Washington, that are looking for the bodies that he are claiming he is claiming is there. Well, but, they're really just hanging on yeah. every word that comes out of these interviews, right? Because if he says there's a body here, they're going to go chasing and digging and looking for it. Exactly, and it's so vague. I mean, the only reason that he got arrested with Samantha Koenig's murder is because he had her key card and was photographed using it at various ATMs. That's the only link that they sort of have. And he had taken photos of her after she had been killed um, but made it look like that she was alive and made it look like it was going, going to be a kidnapping. But they were able to get him quite quickly for that case. So he did stuff up there. But these other cases he cannot give them the the evidence that they need and they're saying, well, how do we play this game if you're not going to be involved? Mm. Well, then he says something that shows where his mind is. What's your, what's your, take, what's your take on, on oh, This isn't the way I wanted to do it. <laughs> well, well, just tell, uh, you know, tell us what your take is on, the, on that. Well, my take is... You know, I've said this before, even though we may at this point all want the same end results, um, it doesn't mean we're still we're on the same team by any means. You know? we, we've always known that. We're not right. pretending. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I understand that you've got your schedule, you've got your deadlines, you've got things you've got to get done, but honestly, that's of no concern to me. I uh, I, if I can, if we can continue to work together and uh, and make stuff happen, great. If not, you know, if, if if it's not going the way you want it to, or you're not getting your information fast enough, then um, do what you got to do. You know, but I already know you'll you'll, you'll be back. So, well. 
<laughs> and maybe maybe we've been maybe we've been too honest with you then. I guess I mean, we're, we know we're uh, all, you know, we know that we're not on the same team. Well, yeah, because if you're saying, I mean, I think what you're saying is you're kind of challenging us, and I didn't think that's where we were in our discussions. No, I'm not challenging you. I'm just saying I know you, you've got your agenda, what you need to get done, and uh, what you need to, you have to have something to show for it, for your work on this. All right, you're going to explain this to me. <laughs> Well, he actually believes that they're on on the same team. But mm. the officers actually say, well, no, we're not. But they know that that proves that they've got his trust. He, they know that they can push a little harder because he believes they're working together. And they're right. not. They're not. He is a criminal. Why would they tell him be... they're not? Why wouldn't they just play along and say, yes, we are? Because they can't. Because then it becomes coercion and things like that. That you know, that oh, they're promising okay. things that they can't give. You know, it's like them sitting there and go, "Look, we'll we'll wipe all of the crimes off if you confess to this one." They can't do that. You know, but they can play around the outsides of this. You know, and mm-hmm. he actually has so much trust in these two officers that he really doesn't want anyone else involved. And that's what he keeps going on about. You know, I don't want to talk to the state police. I don't want to talk to these ones. I want the feds for this and feds for this. He wants this FBI agent and this single officer to be the people that that talk to him and and lead him through everything and this is now they know that they can start to manipulate him to try and get the answers that they need because he's let them know that this is his safe place basically Mm. but they do push a little too hard and he retaliates and at this point we've only really been able to demonstrate that half of the plan is working and frankly that's our half we did everything that we agreed to do, and you haven't done what you agreed to do. <laughs> First of all, I didn't agree to do anything today. I already told you that. So, you know, I I told you I've got different agenda now than when we came up with that plan because of things that happened between then and now. So. You know, I, you know, fine, I changed the rules, shame on me, but uh, that doesn't really change the bottom line. I'm not going to, I'm going to at least find out what my options are. (laughs) And uh, that hasn't happened yet. So, you know, I understand it put a hitch in the schedule, but... um, you know, and, and that's not the only issue right now. There are some other, you know, other things that we can't talk about, and that's uh, an issue with me too. And I know that, um, you know, there's a lot of debate that these things aren't connected, but and to a certain extent, for for me and what happens to me in the end, they are pretty closely connected. So I have to say, he's sounding pretty pissed off now. Absolutely. It's it's like if, if you say to someone, you know, oh, you're my best friend, and they go, yeah, but you're not mine. You know, there's this yeah, absolute yeah. <laughs> rejection. And this is what he's just had. He's basically said, yeah, we're, we're mates, we're on the same team. And they've said no. And now they're saying, well, we're, we're playing cat and mouse here and we're the only ones in the game. You're not bringing anything to the table. You're basically wasting our time. And so he's sort of said, well, you know, I didn't want to talk to you anyway. You know, he's he's become that child and he's backtracking. He doesn't mm. want to say to them that, you know, oh, yes, you know, well, no, we are friends, you know, because that they have to play tough love with him because basically 
they're doing these long interviews and they're going nowhere. So yeah, but they... it seems to me they would have got more out of him if they just kept their mouths shut and didn't say one way or the other, let him have his fantasy that he was helping them. I don't understand why you would get confrontational with him on that point. Because they need to remind him that they're in control, that sure, though he but... holds the cards, they're the banker. Yes, but he has a perception he's helping them out by giving information. Who cares what his motivation is? Yeah, no, they can't do that. They, they have to remind him that he's the criminal and they're the police. This is part of the game. They can't let him just fawn all over them and, and then This go, could have yes, been yes, three yes. hours of interviews instead of six if they had done if they'd been smarter in my book. I, I, yeah, I personally no. find that they're uh, that one they let him walk all over them. And then when he says, I'm your mate, they're like, Oh no, 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 no. Which as we just heard, gets him pissed off. Yeah, but they they need to keep that professionalism. They they have to keep reminding him that he's going to jail at the end of this. And but we've though- heard other police interviews where they've acted like mates and been able to get all the information out of them and obtain it very quickly because they haven't drawn that line. You know, like, I don't really care what his perception <laughs> is. Like, if he thinks they're mates, who cares? They're not saying it. They're not going, yeah, we'll, we'll go and have a drink down the pub. They're... You know, like, it just seemed a weird line to draw in the sand to me when that seemed like it could have been a motivation for him to give out the information. There's no doubt he's on a power trip, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100% no doubt about that. But I just don't understand the idea why, if he's on that verge of giving you the information you want, you would pull up the brakes just to make a point like that. It, It just doesn't make sense to me. And we've heard other interviews where we've had... The interrogators laughing along and not reacting to these grey, you know, like where basically the um, serial killer has been trying to impress the person who's interrogating them and giving them information. And when they don't overly react, give them a bit more information when they're not shocked and they're like, oh, okay, what was that like? You know, there's a whole psychology that goes on with it that I think these guys, that I think these guys are failing at. Well, that's a good observation, but what is happening here is that they need to define those rules and they're trying to be the parent. They're trying to give the tough love saying, if you want us to be on the same side, you need to play ball and he's not playing ball. So well, Exactly, they, so their tactics were failing. Well, not failing. He's he's not playing the game. They've actually written out these <laughs> so rules. they're failing. <laughs> <laughs> if he's not playing the game, their tactic is failing. Okay. <laughs> no, I I don't want to I don't want to have a go at the serial killer whisperer. <laughs> no, but it's a good argument. But yeah, but this is what they need to do because he is on a power trip and this is to knock him down a bit. It's trying to bring him back to reality and saying we're wasting our time. Now now it's tough love time. Yeah, but I wouldn't, wouldn't a better way of handling that would be mate, you're a lot of talk. You reckon you've done these things. I haven't heard anything that proves it to me. That's literally you know, like, what they're doing. No, but there's as, as soon as he's on that verge of doing that, they're saying, and he's like, I, I'm going to help you out. I know you've got your reports to file. They're like, oh, no, we're not friends. <clears throat> it just, I, I just think it's a stupid tactic and I, it explains clearly why these interviews went on and on <laughs> and on and on and on. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) the interview continues, Shakara, in this tone with Keys playing hardball and the officers trying to do the same in return. Towards the end of the interview, Keys gives a few more hints 
into what he's thinking, but is he giving any information? Obviously, that's not working. That's I'll do something else. That's up to you. That's your choice. No, I, yeah, I know. It's, I'm just saying it's a little bit, uh, from my perspective, it's, uh, there's several different things going on. I'm trying to, we're, we're trying to keep them all related in my head and then uh, trying to keep everything moving on all of them separate from each other, but still in the same direction is not an easy task, apparently, so. But, um, yeah, that's, that'll at least give me some more time to get the information that I need. In the meantime, you, um, I, I had requested this from other avenues, but you had mentioned that there was news from Vermont. Was there a press release done or something? I know that they were coming up on the anniversary for their disappearance. That's, and that's what we wanted to tell you, and why I'm on you to say tomorrow is the anniversary. How is it? <laughs> this is an interesting play. He just happens to bring up the anniversary and not really aware that it's the anniversary of the courier murders, of the courier murders. Yeah, I love when they do this. They go, oh, is it this week that it happened? You know, like, yes, there are some killers that won't remember the exact dates, you know, talking about, you know, the, the Grim Sleeper and people like that that sort of take forever to, to be caught. Um, but he's playing dumb, but he knows exactly when the anniversary is and he wants to play it out. He wants there to be something that happens on that anniversary, either that or he wants to wait until all that's died down to then bring up something. Does he want, want to be linked into that press about the anniversary or does he want to have... Have his own news not directly involved with the anniversary so he's playing this and 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 the officers are actually saying to him look it is the anniversary of the date they disappeared maybe this is a good time to give the family closure and he's going is it the anniversary huh he knows exactly you know and he's <laughs> relishing that fact you know he wants things to go more in his direction but they aren't because now the anniversary is going to be big news knowing that someone's been arrested but not directly linked with the cases as yet so he has to play that part of the game too and so now he's thinking well i'm going to have to delay it so i'm not sort of mixed in with all of that mm. all right let's continue what I wanted to accomplish today is, is to, to be able to tell them we got a name. I'm not going to tell them the name. I wanted to say, Vermont, we got a name. Stick with this. We know it's the anniversary. You got a lot of pressure tomorrow. Right. So, with us. well, that was a concern I had because I know that that's like the, the media makes a big deal out of anniversaries. <laughs> he finds the anniversary funny. Yep, there's just psychopathic behavior right there. He mm. knows by not giving them details that it's going to hurt for longer now. So he's just playing it. He has no remorse and, you know, he thinks, yeah, it's going to be big news tomorrow that it's the anniversary and I'm not giving them anything just to piss them off. And that's that's the game they play. You know, he, he wants it to be about him, not about them. So the anniversary is funny to him because he's going, yep, that's another year they're not going to find out. Well... The interview continues. The media makes a big deal out of anniversaries. <laughs> oh, and they're going to be, they're all over them. I know that. And that's what Vermont is wanting to know. I don't need to give Vermont the name. I just need to tell them, trust me, he gave me the name. They're not going to know the name. I'm not going to give it to them. They don't have any need to know. But that gives them a reason to to stand firm. Well, 
they already have a reason. I'm not, I'm not going to give them that just so they have another reason. Well, you're not getting it to them. You're getting it to me. Well, I hear that you're the best or whatever. Well, that's what we wanted you to know about. So, you know, look. Oh, I trust me. I'll know about it. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter how many miles away. I imagine if my name pops up, I'm pretty sure it'll... Because they have to be any computers, I imagine we'll hear about it here. <laughs> What's Vermont's reason to stand firm? I don't know. You said they already have a reason, so I'm curious as to what that reason is. Well, I don't know. Some common sense, I guess. I'm sure that at this point they want to give themselves a pat on the back, but frankly, they don't deserve one, so you know, that's their reason. They were being honest with themselves, they would know they couldn't give themselves a pat on the back for that. So they're going to say, hey, if, if Israel was being honest with himself, he would just tell you guys and move this thing along. That's, you know, their reaction to it. I'm probably more honest with myself than anybody else. <laughs> is it? Are you? You're just looking to hide. I mean, are you looking to hide the information? Is that what I'm getting at? Yeah, like you're looking just to hide it. Well, I mean, I, look, I'll get it to you, especially if there's something in it for me. But um, well, it'd be better if uh, my name wasn't attached to it from here till eternity or whatever. <laughs> he's getting up on this, isn't he? He absolutely is. You know, the game is afoot. He, he's he's in charge again because they let their guard down again. They sort of mm-hmm. said, okay, what's going to happen now? You know, the anniversary is here. Can we give them something just to get them through knowing that it's one step closer? You know, he laughs and says, you know, I don't care. You know, the anniversary is here. Don't care. He goes, and if my name is attached to it, I'm going to know, which means he's somehow being fed info that he knows when his name turns up in the press. If he didn't care, he wouldn't care, but he does care regardless of what he's saying. So he wants this information to be played out the way that he wants it and not the way they want it. So the bargaining chip of saying it's the anniversary, can we please give them something, he goes, no, you know. And it's it's just to that psychopathic point of him knowing that it's actually going to cause more trauma for those families. He's enjoying it, you know. And, and that's the thing that I don't understand about this whole interview. They're relying on his humanity. A psychopath doesn't have humanity. No. A psychopath understands trying to impress people, trying to be the big hero, trying to be in the position of power. And what they have done is they've played his game and given him everything and left nothing for themselves. You're absolutely right. And and he is going to continue to play this game. But this is where the police are failing, as you said. They they want to, to play the cat and mouse game, but they're trying to build the rapport with it being a professional, uh, a professional relationship and it's not happening. And 
they are going to keep trying this way to go, you know, can we just give them just a crumb? You know, we just want something that can take us down the next path. And there is nothing that they are going to get from him when he's not going to get something for himself. It's about his own pleasure. It's not about theirs. It's not about their Mm. win. It's about his win. And he's literally saying, what do I get out of it by giving you that crumb? Like they have done so much stuff for him. They have Mm -hmm. have done some plea agreements without even going to court. They've said that, you know, wait, we're going to do, you know, closed courts instead of open courts and we're going to do this and that and all this sort of stuff for him. And he's still they saying, gave him a what cigar am I going to get? When he didn't even give them anything. Oh, he, he gets multiple cigars throughout these interviews, you know, and he gets all this stuff that he wants and they that they meet him at times that he wants on days that he wants. They're doing everything possible and he's still saying, what are you going to do for me? Well, I think Judge Rob is in the house from our cold case collection and Judge Rob is ruling these investigators are terrible. Okay. Judgment handed down. <laughs> Let's move on as Israel Keys continues the bartering. Right. No, I, I, for now, yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, yeah, I think we can keep... I, I think I could probably tell you everything today and some being... The case that it is, I'm sure we could probably keep stuff under wraps for, what, a year, two years, whatever. I'm not worried about that. So then what's, well, the, what's the deal? You know, I'm worried about after that. Eventually my name is going to be attached to it. So if there's a way that uh, I can protect myself from that uh, and still get you guys what you need, then I'm going to do it. But, but I, look, I'm, I don't need to be punished for these other things that I haven't talked to you about yet because, yeah, the, all these other they're not going to, they can't prosecute a dead man, so it's like, what? He's talking about his death again. Yeah, he is, and again, it's being ignored, you know, they are so focused on the lives he's taken that they don't realise that they're going to miss the chance that he's actually going to take his own life. Yeah, he's saying it again and again. Yep, but it, it goes nowhere and it's strange that they're not thinking that he should be on suicide watch or anything like that. It's being missed every time. Comes back to my contempt for the people interviewing him. Meanwhile, here's the point where they offer him a deal. And you can almost hear the gears turning in his head. We're, we're offering what I think so that's your catch-22. I wanted to make sure you understood that, right? No, I, yeah, I, I did it. And, um, and we're trying to work on the timing, the control of the media, the control, you control how the story comes out. This is your opportunity. You control the story, you control the timing, you control the media. And by timing, I mean moving it quickly. The other alternative B is takes forever, possibly, um, you don't control any of the rest of the stuff. You're, you may be right, they never get it, but then they're not going to just move forward knowing with the unknown. The middle ground, I think, is what you suggested at the end. You give me a name, I write it down, you have lunch and a cigar, and we all meet again whenever you want me to get it. And you're not going to hear anything about it between now and then.
Okay. What's going through his head? Well, that silence was him weighing up his options. You know, it's as, as like when you kill someone, you can only kill them once. He can only give this information once. So right now he's holding the cards and therefore he has the power and they're trying to offer him whatever he needs, including lunch and a cigar again. Um, mm-hmm. But he knows that once he hands over something, he can't take it back. So, you know, right now he's sitting in an air-conditioned office. He gets good coffee, good food, good cigars, and yet if he rushes through all of this and gives them everything that they want, like we've seen a lot of killers do, then he's going to, you know, a crappy prison with crappy coffee and crappy food and that's it and everyone's going to forget Israel Keys. So he has to do this slowly and he has to just give them enough of a crumb for them to continue coming back. But as we heard, he sat there and thought about it. They thought, right, this is it because we've done these silence takes before where we've seen a serial killer sit there and they have the choice to go ahead or to refuse. He's one of those that says, yep, no, not today. And that's what he's done. He's just over. He goes, yeah, I'm not giving you anything today. He's expecting them to come to him with some sort of plea deal that's not coming and he won't ask for it outright. He wants them to bring it to him and it's not going to happen. Well, the investigators give up trying and the team leaves. We then head to the fourth interview on July 26, 2012. In the room this time is still Officer Jeff Bell and Assistant Attorney General Frank Russo, but also this time Special Agent Jolene Godin. There have been a few interviews between the third and fourth tapes, but they have not been released. Amanda, just starting off here, this is a very different vibe. Yeah, and it's very different this time, but this time they've actually brought in evidence that they have. So now they're not going blind. They're coming in with him with with basically cue cards to say, right, well, we're going to show you something and you need to respond to that. You know, and they hope that this game will actually get him to start talking because nothing obviously has worked previously. And so they've changed it up a bit. They've brought a female officer in, which is quite interesting to do. It's been done before. And they are hoping that by asking him to explain things they already know may get him to even give up one little snippet. I mean, this is why these are recorded, because they can go through it 100 times then and pick up every nuance. Well, he does make it clear, though, that he isn't cooperating. It doesn't give me anything I want. It doesn't give me anything that I'm not going to get anyway. You you just said Vermont is chomping at the bit now. They want to see me indicted for this. In their jurisdiction. Whatever. I mean... (laughs) The whole deal 
originally was that I would be charged federally with it, and now you're ready to just hand it over to them and let them charge me. So I don't care. You know, if they want to charge me, I'm not. It's pretty clear at this point. I'm not going to get what I want. At least not. I'm not going to get a straight answer on what I want. You know, and I, I apparently I misunderstood the way the whole process works from the beginning, you know, so all the information that I've given you now is probably going to get out anyway, so... Again, he's laughing about the publicity, and for someone who doesn't want publicity, God, he talks about it a lot. Absolutely, and now he's saying, you know, that he wanted that this to be a federal case, so, so he was a cross-country serial killer, and that sort of puts him in, into a different playing field. But now it looks like that Vermont wants to actually go ahead with their own charges because he is stuffing it around. He's realising that all this stalling is actually causing it to be a different issue, and if he's charged with one case here and one case there, it's not going to make him this big, scary serial killer that he wants the publicity to, to know. He wants the press to be out there writing so that So why wouldn't they have killer. just said, Mate, you are not giving us anything. So Vermont can have you as we keep our investigation going. You know, we'll give you exactly what you don't want because you are not giving us what we want. Because the game plays for as long as it needs to, and this is what he thought was going to happen. He thought he was going to go in there. Exactly. Use what he wants against him. Yeah, well, that they had made a court-mandated agreement with him that they were going to do this for federal case. Now, the federal case can't stop the individual states coming up with their own own cases. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of saying we're now chomping at the bit. We now have to get ahead of this because it's not going to go down the way that we promised you it would because you're fart-assing around. And he goes, yeah, but... I don't care because you're still not giving me what I want. We still don't know what it is precisely that he wants. I think he just wants to walk it out the front door. You know, literally, <laughs> I don't think there is anything else that is actually going to stop him and make him confess to all these crimes. Amazing. Well, the conversation continues, trying to get Keys to talk about the crimes, but he's refusing. Yeah, you know, this this whole thing is already a huge... <laughs> Yeah, we're just trying to solve the the problem. We never even found the bodies. At least if they had found the bodies, then it's just, you know, every... There's no way around it now. You charge me with the couriers. Everybody knows now, as soon as you charge me with that, that I gave you all the information you have because you didn't find any on your own. Even after they knew they were at the landfill, they're like, oh, we didn't find them, but they were definitely murdered and we definitely have the person who did it. And now, pretty soon, we're going to tell everybody who did it. And the person who did it is Israel Keys. So how did they know that? Well, he must have told them, so whatever. He's actually taunting them, saying... He didn't even find the bodies. Well, yeah, well, his his team, his his mates now are starting to look incompetent. That he's starting to think this is like a Keystone Cops case, like what we've seen a few times before. He's realizing that everything that he thought was going to happen, that this was going to be, you know, I'm going to tell you where to find them at this landfill. You're going to find them the next day. Yes, I get charged. I'm a big scary serial killer. Let's move on. But it hasn't happened, and he put him in landfill. Apparently, I don't believe that's true because he has carefully buried others. So the fact that these might be in landfill, it's either because the house actually burnt down or the fact that he has dumped them somewhere and that's that's what's happened i'm not 
I'm not too sure there. But it is going around in circles. He keeps saying, give me something and I'll give you something. And they're not getting anywhere. And they're so focused on this one case that they haven't talked about other cases that, that he's likely involved in because we know mm. there could be up to another 10, 12 victims. So this is going and focusing so much on one case that they're not getting answers with. They needed to try and get the next name, which is what they've done a couple of times. They've asked about the New York case, as, as it's referred to. They've asked about the boat cases, which we are actually going to get to. But he's just continuing on with this, you know, I, I'll do what, what I want. And he even actually stops the this in, interview at one point and gets um, a court-appointed lawyer to turn up who was Richard Kirtner. And he said, don't talk to them. Don't say another word. He goes, yeah, okay, and continues with his fluff. But it's not going anywhere still. <laughs> well, as you said, it went nowhere. So they resume on November 29. And there's a physical change in Key's appearance, isn't there, Amanda? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously his his hair's grown longer because he's been incarcerated now for about five months. Um, but he's also quite thinner and very pale. So you can tell that, that, that something's changing in him as well. And we know that there is bound to be many in- interviews between the July one and this one. But his, his prison scrubs now are actually hanging off him. So he's lost a lot of weight. And so there's a lot of stress probably behind all of this because he doesn't want to play the game the way they want to play the game and they want to play a game different to him anyway and so there's so much confusion and and details that are being lost here that um it's still going on he still hasn't been charged with these other cases and it's five months later so can you imagine the frustration that has gone before we finally get to this interview but he is cooperating this time. But again, that laugh, Amanda, it's still there as they show him photos of things they found at various locations he had lived. Um, Any questions about this stuff? We're going to get all of this up here. And so once we get it up, we can pull it out. Like I, I we'll grab this stuff to see what that is. What the invoice is. Okay. Some of this other stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you know who's that one? Oh, uh, yeah. We'll bring it in when we get it. Sure. This is a strange response. They show him evidence. He laughs and calls it a trip down memory lane. Yeah, I mean, those out there that aren't sure if they're a serial killer or not, um, if you thought that was evidence and not a trip down memory lane, that's that's a, a good way to check yourself, you know. Um, <laughs> that they, that they are putting up evidence and pointing to, to, to blood stains and, and things that they've found that he's buried around the various properties that he's lived at. Um, and he's, like, enjoying it. It's like going through the family album, you know, oh, this is the first birthday, second birthday. He's going, that's the first kill, that's the second kill. You know, and this is how they think differently and how things change. But this is how they finally engaged him after all this time. They needed to bring their proof before he would talk. So they have to get the grades that he think is well enough for them to actually get the next piece of information. So finally they've learned how they need to talk to him and that's with concrete evidence. Mm. But then they throw a curveball. Um, we got a... 
Report. We've got all the stuff sent it into the lab. It's easy to do with everything that we get. And uh, on the tray that holds the ammo in there, there's a perfect right thumbprint. Yeah, right. No, there is. I don't have the lab report. <laughs> wow. Uh-oh. So, more CSI stuff. Yeah, I'm impressed. Well, I'm disappointed in myself mostly, but I'm <laughs> A fingerprint. Is this the moment it's all about to cave in? Well, absolutely. I mean, he is actually shocked. And he tries mm. to hide it because he, he does that laugh again, you know, oh, wow, you know. But he actually questioned them first. It's like, are you sure that's what happened? You know, are you sure? I yeah, he wasn't behind? believing that there was a fingerprint. No, nope. and the fact that, that it's not even a partial, it's a perfect right thumbprint, it's just perfect, you know. And everything up until now, he has held all the keys. He's he's, he's mm-hmm. held all the cards. He was he was in charge. Now he knows that he's not in charge anymore, that he's lost the case and it's actually moved beyond him because now they don't need him to talk because they've got the evidence to prove it. They've got these fingerprints. They're, they're finding blood stains on, on an old boat he had. They're finding all of this information that's now saying that we can prove it's you now. We don't need you to tell us what we need to prove because we've done it. You know, so he has realised that he's actually played a big game and a long game, but it's not ended up being it to his benefit. You know, they're still working while he's sitting in a prison cell and he didn't think about that. He thought all that they were going to do was that he would sit with them, talk to them, and they would go and run out that next day and check and then come back for the next interview. He didn't think that they were constantly working. And these last five months while he's been sitting in jail playing yes or no, maybe probably not, they've actually been working and there's been dozens and hundreds of officers across the country working on the various um, possible sites because he moved around a lot. He, he was... Um, he was a decorated officer for a while as well. So, you know, there's all these different places that he was that they've been looking. So that attempt to stay in front of the the, the the ball has gone. He's now stuffed. He's not in control. So now he knows that he needs to give them something else to make them falter. Well, it's interesting because they do have some concrete evidence, he begins giving small crumbs of information. So too lazy to even dig a hole for that one. We just piled rocks and pulled it. Were you planning on going back for that? Yeah, this summer. I mean, I'm... <laughs> that would have been a good trip. <laughs> I, I still can't get over the whole the disappeared house in Vermont thing. Oh, <laughs> big plans for this summer? Back there? Well, I, you know, I was going to go back there. I just I picture driving up, looking everywhere for that farmhouse and not being able to find it. <laughs> to burn it down? Yeah, that would have been funny. But, uh, but you guys did that for This is really extraordinary. He's now even talking about future plans had he not been caught. Yeah, it's and it's quite interesting because he actually tells them that had he not been caught, he, he was going to go back, dig up the evidence that they found and bury it somewhere else. So he is showing that it's not just a kill and dump, that he actually kills them and revisits them like Bundy did as well. You know, and he's starting to get a bit nervous because they do have this evidence against him. And finally, we actually see him pick up one of the coffee cups and he's actually playing with it, which is a, a nervous 
tick that's happening now because that, though he's still handcuffed, he needs to keep his hands busy. Now, we know that he's a smoker, so that's part of it as well, is that he would be starting to get a bit edgy and he's trying to hold the cup to make it seem like, oh, it's just the cup that's the issue. And it's just interesting that he's starting mm. to, um, to, to step away but at the same time relishing in what they're showing him because he wants that he wants that adoration of being a serial killer, but at the same time he doesn't want to do any of the hard work that's now coming into play. Well, all this open talk allows the agents another segue. Speaking of Ramad, yeah, speaking of Ramad, we were talking to uh, Ramad on Monday. And they want to know what's going on. And they are interested in filing charges as they have been all along. He sounds fatigued. Absolutely. He's he's reeling from the evidence that they've provided him and he's realising that the game has actually changed quite swiftly. So he's gone from this control to, you know, we found the fingerprint, we found this evidence, we found this fire that you did, but we found this thing over here, we found where uh, the Vermont evidence was buried and all that this sort of stuff and they're bombarding him now that he's actually unsure of how to move forward because mm. it's not this you know a and b equals c it's they're, they're throwing the whole alphabet at him basically and he is so perplexed by it all that this is what he expected at the beginning and now that it's happening five months later um he has already played out his entire game and it was just getting to a point that it was completely monotonous that now it's coming to an exciting place and he doesn't know how to play the game now because he's trained in doing it the other way after all these months that's really interesting well he returns to the i'm already the bad guy stance well you've known and we've been you know we've, we've talked about this quite a bit that Vermont is willing to be patient if they think that there's forward momentum on talking about the crimes you know and I know that you don't care about that from the perspective of the families of other victims but Vermont does and so 
there's a way to meet in the middle by giving something that they can then have. You know, they don't need to know the details of it, but they need to know we've gotten some details so that they can continue to hold off. I just don't understand why, um, even from a legal perspective, I don't understand what the hurry is or what their issue is as to why they want to file charges, additional charges, when I'm clearly already charged with substantial ones. Well, in, in Vermont, you've got state prosecutors who right now have an unsolved, you know, according to the public, unsolved murder of uh, the couriers. Right, so the law enforcement is under a lot of pressure. They get calls from the press. They're telling us every week, you know, until different state prosecutors are elected. So I think they probably feel more of an obligation to you know, inform the, the public than you know, people who are appointed to lifetime prosecutors. Right. But uh, since they called off the search for the bodies, as far as the public knows, they can't even definitively say that it was a homicide. I know they already told everybody it was. The investigators are actually impressing me now. They're doing a turn <laughs> now that they they're on the front foot. Put, they're on the front foot. Keys is fatigued. He's backpedaling. Um, this is where the investigators should have been at the beginning. And absolutely, but these things take time and it's taken this long for them to get all of their evidence because what he was giving them was hardly anything. So they've had to put it all together themselves, knowing that there's been a serial killer across the country. That's basically all they knew. So really they had to go through his history, they had to go through where he'd lived, they had to talk to his girlfriend, they had to do all of this sort of stuff to try and work out where he'd been to try and find the evidence themselves because he wasn't going to give it. He's even saying now that he's saying, well, do you even know that the couriers were killed? You know, you haven't found the bodies, so how can there be a killing without seeing their cause of death? So he's just Mm. going to keep playing this game now because they're in control, which is what he didn't want. Well, they continue to plead, and then Keyes does something he had held off for months. You know, let's assume it's something from your perspective. You're not giving us anything because you think, hey, we already have it. It's a clue, and it's just something that gives us credibility that we can report, even though you know, maybe this is just a you know, fiction that you give us. You know, New York, New Jersey, all right, well, you know, he told us New Jersey. Or, you know, uh, something, something other, other thing that we can kind of report back that... You know, allows us a little bit of credibility with the people that we have to deal with. Did you find any knives in New York or in the boat? Folding knives. They're about six inches long. I don't know. I think there might have been in the boat. He told us there was was knives in the boat, right? There's two knives that were not in Kimberly's house, and I don't don't know where they were. I thought they were in that bucket. I thought that they were... I may have left one in New York. I thought there might have been one in the boat. Just knives that I had from a long time ago. 
but I haven't seen him in any of the pictures, so I don't think that's Ted. Or, yeah. I can find out about that. But I don't think there was a knife on him, but I don't remember. I don't remember a knife being in the bucket though in the photos. The knife that we've got. Well, it's a folding knife, so I don't know. If you took it apart, you might. Would there be blood on the knife? There, well, there might not be on it, but maybe inside. Is it the kind that has the, the, the handles are actually bolted or screwed to it or something? It's not a solid piece, enough as you could disassemble it in some manner? Yeah, it's like riveted to it. Is the, would the blood be from a long time ago or just the knife? No, the blood's not for a long time ago, but I haven't, I haven't carried it for a while, so I couldn't remember where it, where I left it. Any other places where it might be? No, I don't. Well, it was in the boat, it was a long time ago. Well, 2005. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, they're, they're both times that I got up before that. So. And those are associated with the, the Washington murders? Yeah. Finally, a confession. Yeah, and it's actually thrown them for a six. So um, he asked them about a knife. So they're all scrambling through all of the evidence that has been retrieved, trying to find it. Like they want to slam this piece of paper down on the table in front of him and go, yeah, here's the <laughs> knife, here's the blood. But they haven't found knives. Yeah, so the fact he's given them the knife, it just proves that he is staying this one step ahead. And they still don't know who the Washington victims may be. They don't have that information. They just know that he claims to have killed at least two people in Washington. So that they had focused on a boat that he had um, sitting there for years and years and years, but they still don't know. And so the fact that he points them towards a knife that doesn't seem to exist at this point, it just gives them a piece of information that now could send them off on a six-month tour of trying to find it. But Mm. it just sort of tells them that he's now giving stuff in good faith because he knows that they've sort of rewarded him by proving what they've done. So they continue down that path, starting with a knife as a possible murder weapon, and it opens up the case. It's about correct enough that that was the murder weapon for one of the Washington murders. Well, it was involved. Yeah. It was involved. Yeah. Okay. I think we talked about before, was when we were asking about federal jurisdiction about guns. Yeah. Were, they, were, any, were either of those victims shot? No. No. Strangled. No, the only person I ever shot was uh, Bill Courier. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is trying to. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, I don't want to have the wrong impression, you know. So everybody else was trying to the war, was there something else? Um, 
Oh, one of the Washington things that was uh, It's just no. It wasn't. It wasn't strange. All of this. I hit somebody in the head. So did, that, did you mean to kill them, or they died? Did you? Was there a struggle, and you hit them, and they died, or did you mean to kill them that way? No. I wasn't trying to kill them. I just. Uh, so he strangled his victims. Um, yeah, so it looks like that he strangled many of his victims, which is not only a loss, but it's a win. It's a win because he's given them the evidence, but it's a loss because there's less um, physical evidence that's going to be available because, one, they, they, these victims have been hidden for so long, and, two, because there's no knife we had blood like he's, he's just offering. But also at the same time in all of that, he was worried about one victim because he goes that he just had to take them out of action and so he, he killed them purely almost accidentally so it's quite strange that it took him a long time to actually say this so it's it's kind of like he's embarrassed about that part of the confession because they said so they were all strangled and he goes oh well there was one you know and so it's quite strange how this is now coming out he wanted to play this game all along and and do this massive confession that when it comes down to it he's not enjoying it as much as he thought he would that is interesting he then finds out they've been taking stuff from his cell we read that in one of those letters with the male of the female couple. Yeah. I saw them. Rich mentioned that they gave you all that stuff. <laughs> so, I should have asked them to give me a copy so I know which ones you have. We could go over that together, and you could fill in the blanks at some point in time. Well, we know in Washington. I didn't realize they were allowed to take stuff out of my cell, but why wasn't it mainly? I was pretty sick. <laughs> well, we know we had the darling the couple in Washington State, the now female couple. We read that in the bill. Are those the same couple from the, that you took to the boat and dumped in the lake? Or are there others? I mean, when that whole. No. Yeah. They're married. Yeah, that was a while ago. That was a long time ago. Sort of feeling that you needed to do something that was hard to resist. Yeah, 
Amanda, he seems quite clever, but a little naive when it comes to what law enforcement will do. And his reasoning for killing was the town was boring. But I'm intrigued about the fact he didn't realise that they could go into his cell and take stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I, I cannot believe that. Doesn't he know that they toss cells often and, you know, they will suddenly give you a shower at 3am purely because they know that there's going to be something in your room that they're going to take. <laughs> so many people, so so many serial killers I've spoken to I've, over the time have said that. They're like, yeah, when I have a 3am shower, I know that something's going down and they're going to go through my room because they just sort of suddenly turn up and say, grab your soap, you're, you're going for a shower. So the fact that he doesn't think that this is happening Happening, that while he's sitting there getting a cigar and a coffee, that they're not tossing his cell. So um, the fact that they obviously put it back so perfectly afterwards just proves that um, he was totally clueless about that, you know. But Amazing. yeah, and and the fact that he killed in one town purely because it was boring. I mean, we're, we're talking about a psychopath. He. He believes that he has to have a reason and that was good enough for him. Uh, and what is strange about this confession he's going on here is that they asked him, oh, was that the couple, was the Washington couple the, the couple in the boat? And he actually corrects them and says, no, that's a different couple. Like he could have lied there <laughs> and said, yep, yep, that's it, you know, and, and kept the count down by two. But he chose to be honest and say, yeah, no, 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 they went in into a hole. So he's now totally blindsided and he doesn't know what's going on and he's lost total control now that now he has to play the mouse and they're playing with him now because they've got what they need and it's opened now and he knows that they've been doing more than he thought they were doing because they come and see him and say, we've got no idea what's going on. He didn't know that they knew exactly what was going on and they're getting blood blood spatter from the boat and they've been and found his his weapons at his girlfriend's house and they've taken photos of, of his um truck that he had as a tradesman they're going through all of this stuff and all this time that they've been playing it you know we don't know what's going on here's your proof that they did know what was going on yeah but you know what judge rob stands by his (laughs) earlier criticism because i think this case could have been wrapped up a lot sooner i totally agree look when key shuts down about any further victims they ask him about the various caches he had hidden could be a different washington cache no. 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 Yeah. 
I'll have to think about which ones I'm going to part with. <laughs> That's right. If you thought it all still belongs to me, have a, you have a candy bar. If you, thought, if you thought one that you wanted to give up, that maybe we might be able to work something out with it. Our videos. Oh yeah, that's um, a good idea. Well, that's another issue. Is there the other time I can't find just a satellite map? So I can give them general areas. Yeah. Well, if you gave them a general area, they could probably get some. We, we, have, we just have to have enough information to get a hold of you know the, the tech person to that covers that area. Right. So again, you know, get cash. It's not related to anything. So you're really not giving up any of your cards to trade with. Well, that's the issue. They're all related to stuff. They're just. Yeah, I just have to have to think about it. Well, you yeah. want to try and remember what's in. Yeah. Yeah. But it's sort of interesting for you too. You'll get to see what's in there, and you'll get to see them again. Yeah, and then be like one of those oh shit moments. <laughs> you dig it up, and I see what's in there. Israel, there's been too many oh shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I've had enough. I've had my share for the year. Well, you know, this is just the way. Mary, you spotted something in there. What was it? Um, he'd actually become deflated, like he didn't want to talk about any more victims that day. Mm. And and so they decided to pep him up and, and they told him a joke and he sort of started laughing and that sort of kept him, him going there because he had actually literally crumpled down into almost fetal position. He, he he had his hands in his lap, his shoulders were, were turned over, his head was down and they knew that they were about to lose him, that he was done. And so they had to get him back in, into the conversation. So they started joking about him um giving up a few of his caches as as we spoke before um he'd actually hidden things in buckets around the place and as we know someone last week actually found one that the police didn't want to know about but i'm sure the fbi did that could have been linked to this case so they were going so they started joking about that like is there is there a cache that you have that um isn't involved in any of, of the cases, you know, and it sort of made him laugh a bit and then he goes, well, actually, they're all involved, ha, 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 and then that's where, where it starts. And so they knew that they would have him for a little bit longer before he would shut down again. And it works. He gives them more information. Well, why don't you, why don't you if, if you were able to do that, if you're just going to buy us, give everybody something to do, people like to have something to do. If they can uh, be digging up a cash and then you'll get to see how the video works and you'll get to see what's in there. How long does a body last in a freshwater lake? I mean, because there's no critters that eat. It depends how oh, it depends how right? deep I learned a lot. Because it depends how deep depends the temperature deep is, of the water. And if the body's contained in something. And it's not critters, it can be like bacteria yeah. organs. They were talking so about if the water is below, say, 45 degrees all the time. I think that would be good. I think you said they up to 80 feet at one point in time, you told us. No, there's one that's a lot deeper than that. What? 200 feet. So we should like get a submarine or deeper. (laughs) Deeper than 200 feet. You guys know about Lake Crescent in Washington. How deep is it? I think that lake is five to 700 feet deep. They've never been to the bottom of it. There are people who have gone off that lake, and they still haven't found their cars or anything. And that's the lake. That's one of the lakes. So this is really deep. So this thing you're never going to be able to recover. He reels them in and then throws a spanner in the works. 
Yeah, absolutely. So he's just told them about one of the lakes where he has dumped some of his victims and then they get excited about it. But then he goes, yeah, but that's only one of the lakes. So, again, there's, there's that wetting of the appetite. But he then he doesn't go any further in, in the interview and they stop it. Well, just three days later, Keyes took his own life. He slid his wrists and hanged himself. He left behind a bizarre note to Amanda. Yeah, he did, and it, it's it's a bit of a fuck you to everyone as well as um these strange things, you know, like turn away quick, bob your head to the seat as straight through that stop sign you rolled, loaded truck with lights off slams into you broadside. I mean, this is three pages of this note that goes along like this, and then uh, he has the, the 12 images, 11 being skulls that he painted with his own blood, and there is no more to the case. And this was the thing he gave so many hints throughout the whole interrogation process that this is how it would end. So ultimately, in this game of cat and mouse, did he win? Well, he did. And we're actually still, the FBI is still going through the evidence that he's left behind. Even just this week, as we said, he was front page news again, because they're trying to figure out what the rest of of his notes said, uh, what these 11 skulls and goats head represent. And they're hoping that someone might have some information that might give a family some closure. Well, that brings us to the end of an extended edition of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. I found this case really fascinating, Amanda. I don't feel that the investigators did a great job on this one. I think they started getting somewhere where they had the evidence, but we've watched interrogators get evidence out of serial killers in the past. This is a fail from me. Yeah, well, it's just strange that as soon as he started to, to confess, three days later he ended up taking his life. So there's something there that, that's linked, that all that cat and mouse game was just killing time. Mm, very interesting. Well, we'll have another case for you next week when Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions continues. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Rob. 